Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Vergara. What's going on, everybody? Finally back from CES, more or less, uh, and you're going to hear why uh, we had to take a little bit of a hiatus last week. But of course, Nick Gray of Fandroid is back on the show as he, myself, and Issa Rodriguez, the three of us, were at CES together. So this is our chance to kind of uh, recount everything from the show floor which was a very interesting experience we go through a number of the different items that were at ces uh ones that we're excited for ones that we're looking forward to checking out later on or maybe ones that we're checking out literally right now in any case that will be our episode for this week of the pocket now weekly podcast a recounting of ces 2022 let's go ahead and get into it enjoy what's that phrase um the best laid plans <laughs> Was it the best laid plans? I, I'm, I'm remembering it from a song, but it, the, the, from the song it said, the best laid plans of mice and men are never right, or something like that. That's kind of how I feel, because as our listeners probably noticed, um, no episode last week. And there was a very good reason for that. Very bad reason for that, I should say. Um, we totally talked right before going to CES in Vegas, CES 2022, about like taking precautions staying safe, all of that stuff. And I would say as far as like our overall performance, because Nick here from Fandroid, um, we all stayed together, me, Nick, and Isa, who's also in the in the room right now, but she's not in the podcast. Um, we all stayed together. And I think I would grade us overall like A minus B plus <laughs> as far as really like taking every precaution possible. That being said, I got COVID. <laughs> like... There's no use in hiding it and at this point. Like, there's no use in... <laughs> and you're finally getting over it. Still yes. some, some um, lingering cough? <clears throat> a little bit. Um, I do definitely feel that my, my system, respiratory or otherwise, is like like 90% recovered. Um, I'm testing negative on everything, so it's obviously past me, so thank God for that. Um, the, the, the main reason why we were so worried was because I was coming home to immunocompromised people. So I've obviously didn't want to spread it to anybody, but, um, there's no way of really knowing when it happened or how I will say this though, as far as the show itself, like the actual events surrounding CES uh, based on CES, I think all of those were completely fine. Like we, we saw what were the metrics you were telling me that like only 40,000 people total, like really made it through the convention center that week yeah so based off of not registration numbers but people who actually picked up their badges and attended the show they said the numbers were roughly forty thousand people i'm sure they're going to have their usual report that comes out a couple months later detailing you know what percentage were media what percentage were you know people inside the industry different analysts things like that but the rough number is forty thousand people which compared to two years ago which was the last in-person one that's one third yeah or even less than one third okay. of the typical people that were there and honestly like it was really nice to be in <laughs> vegas during ces with one third the people that are typically there because i don't know like even though there were some manufacturers that weren't there and the show floor was a little bit spare sparse uh in certain that's putting sections. it lightly dude like you remember how all of the open space that was yeah the- <laughs> well that was honestly like there was a couple of big brands that did pull out completely and it yeah. was a big shock in some areas but 
even so, like even with some of those larger brands, the the technology that we cover, we really wouldn't have covered them anyways. Like we would have walked through those booths and be like, oh yeah, this is a cool thing, but it's not something that I'm going to be covering. Yeah. Um, it was a nice touch to have so much open space. Honestly, I would love to go to more trade shows that were like that with a lot more space and fewer people. And, you know, even if not all the brands are there, it's a much more enjoyable experience and mm -hmm. definitely something that I would like to see replicated across the board. Yeah, we were uh, I know saying for, for business we sake, over, that's not good. But, you know, for me. <laughs> yeah, we were saying over and over that it was like the most chill convention that we've ever covered. And we've been in mm -hmm. this game for quite a while. Um, but back to what I was saying earlier, as far as like, safety and whatnot it did feel like the yeah. safest place to be like the convention center all the places that we went to based on ces the convention and like again there's no way of really knowing how or when i was like infected with um with the virus but like if i had to put point a finger on it um i think that you know we did go out once or twice like that it was it was very like calculated risk situation we were all mm -hmm. just happy to go out together and be able to spend time together and it was a really good time and we did everything that we could it's just you know cards on the table i am an immunocompromised person uh with type 2 diabetes so obviously i'm more at risk of getting infected um but still i was vaccinated boosted and let's just put it this way like even though i had to isolate in mainly hotels for 10 days after returning from ces once i tested positive um it was like, don't take any of this lightly, first of all, anybody out there who might be thinking about, you know, the the, the new variant or anything like that. Um, it could have been way worse for me. So thank God I was vaccinated, that I took all of the steps needed, um, that I isolated all of that stuff, because it was like the worst case of sore throat I've ever had, like the most painful. Like, I don't want to go as far as to say like strep throat or anything like that, because you can't really equate these things. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, it was, it was a painful few days when it was at its peak and it took about five days for me to finally start feeling better. And then another five days to finally start testing negative. Um, <clears throat> so it was, uh, for anybody to say that this is a mild thing that's going on right now is, it's a big misnomer because it's still a bad experience all around. So please like take it, take, 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 take those main takeaways from my experience is that I had to go through some very painful days and thank God I was vaccinated because it did its job. It kept me out of the hospital. It kept me alive. And I'm very grateful, as everyone around me has been grateful, that it never got worse than it did. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the things to highlight, though, was you know, being vaccinated and taking the precautions. There's still risk involved. And as we mentioned before, we were extremely careful in what we were doing, who we were hanging out with. Uh, the events that we were going to, we weren't just, you know, all out going to every event imaginable. Uh, but we did take some risks here and there with, we did have a couple dinners uh, with smaller mm -hmm. groups of people. Um, and, you know, when, when you're eating food and you're not wearing a mask, that's probably when you're most at risk. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you do have to live and <laughs> we lived, we made it through it. And yeah. uh, I'm glad you're feeling better now. Yeah, um, I have to tell you, like 10 days of not doing literally anything because of what happened, I was actually jazzed to come back to this office. Like, we, we talk all the time on this show about how we have so much content to do, we have so much work to do, and we're always burned out, all that stuff. Like, 
true rest from like creator burnout is literally not creating. <laughs> it's like you have to get away from the thing and literally not do it for a long time. And then you can come back and go, oh, yeah, I'm down for this now. <laughs> so I do feel re-energized as far as the rest is concerned. All things all things equal, COVID or not, I feel ready to get back on the horse and like do all this stuff. And I'm, I'm pretty down for it. Um, now, if there's one thing that I do want to give a shout out to as far as tech is concerned and everything that was going on, it's this ring on my finger. Um, I'm going to be doing a video on the Aura ring. This is the Gen 3 Aura ring. Now, this would be true no matter what illness you have, even if it wasn't like, you know, a pandemic virus. It could be a flu. It could be a cold or anything like that. But the whole point of this ring always being on you, always uh, tracking your sleep and all these metrics during your sleep, which is when your body is at its most stable. So that's the best time to actually track everything. It literally journaled, quote unquote, and tracked my entire ordeal. Um, I have like a, I have like metrics of how my body was recovering. My temperature was high, obviously for a few days. My recovery was very bad because I was battling something. Like it's interesting how it did that. So it makes a really good case for fitness tracking or just health tracking in general. I have to say the aura ring was a really nice thing to have during those 10 days. Yeah, it's one of those things where I think just regular wearables could pay attention a little bit more as far as, you know, the overall look at your physical health because we do wear fitness trackers and smartwatches, but they don't offer the same amount of information that the Aura Ring is tracking. And it is a little bit different because Aura Ring you do wear 24-7, right? Uh, whereas, you know, you're taking your watch off uh, when you go to bed, uh, depending on who you are, if you're not tracking your sleep with it, things like that. But um, I, I do think that more wearables should be paying attention to that specific segment of the market where Aura Ring is showing, you know, a lot of progress in. Yeah. For sure. Um, what was really interesting was the temperature readout because you can't ask it on the fly, like on demand, what your temperature is right now. I, th I feel like it's not the most useful metric at any given point. It's better. It's best when you're like, like it says, during sleep, during the most stable part of your general existence is when you're asleep. And if you're asleep and your temperature is like four degrees higher than usual, which is that's obvious fever, like that makes a lot that 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 actually tells you a lot about your current state of health. And that was exactly where I was for at least three days. Um, not only that respiratory rate. So I was breathing like I, I was taking many more breaths because I was obviously like needing more, uh, mm. more oxygen, oxygen in my respiratory and all that. The one thing that it is supposed to do, but it's not available yet in the Aura Ring Gen 3. It's going to be enabled like in a few months or something like that. Blood oxygen level. I had to rely on the uh, Apple Watch uh, Series 7, the most recent, Series 7? Series 8? The most recent one, Series 7. Um, I had to rely on the uh, Apple Watch to track my blood oxygen level because that was that's one of those metrics where if it starts to go down, you're in bad shape. Um, so thankfully it showed that I was always trending at the highest I could be. Thank God for that again. Uh, but yeah, that was sort of like a quick snapshot into what I kind of went through over the last 10 days or so. Um, thank goodness we haven't heard any worse stories. Like, first of all, really happy that it wasn't any worse for me. And thankfully we haven't heard too many like crazy stories coming out of anybody that we know who also was at CES if, or if they didn't get it or not. Um, I will say, though, um, we're going to see over the next month or so how CES actually contributed or if it did at all to the overall spread of this thing, because I still get Google Discover feed posts about Clark County, which is where Las Vegas is situated. Um, That's where it's located. 
about how the rates are spiking and all of that stuff. And of course, there's speculation that CES and other things contributed to that. To be fair, though, it is Vegas and there's a massive amount of people going in and out of that city at any given point. Yeah, I mean, Vegas is busy every single day of the year, uh, regardless of a trade show or not. And, you know, even post CES, there's, yeah, I'm also getting notifications for Clark County as well, because we (laughs) were just there. It's funny how Google, the Google Now feed works. Uh, But there's another trade show going on this week there with uh, 20 to 30,000 people. So, I mean, it's not just CES, there's trade shows going on all the time there. Uh, that contributed to it. But also, I think the Omicron hit uh, Las Vegas or Clark County a little bit later than it did most other places in the U.S. So I think they're just getting the regular wave now uh, as opposed to getting it a couple weeks earlier. True. Um, All right. So on to CES at large, like, you know, the lighter notes and whatnot. Um, We haven't had a chance to actually recount our experience in general at the show um, and to talk about our favorite things from the show. So I wanted to make sure that we caught up with that. Obviously, there are certain announcements that were made during the show that actually really dictated what kind of things we were going to cover. Um, So let's go ahead and go through all of that stuff. I'm just going to open up the floor a little bit for the both of us. Nick, what were like some main highlights from our time together on the floor? Uh, Well, Main highlight for me as far as technology goes uh, at CES has to be the Galaxy S21 FE. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, I go to a smartphone because that's that's our main bed and, bread and butter. Uh, but it's been a long time or for forever since Samsung's actually had a smartphone announcement during CES and showed off new hardware that they True. hadn't shown off or announced you know, a couple weeks earlier or we're teasing for an announcement a couple weeks later. So this is the very first time that we've seen this in a long time. And it was kind of refreshing because typically we go to CES and we're like, there's going to be no smartphone news that's relevant. You know, there might be some Chinese manufacturer that announces something that for the Asian markets or something like that. Uh, but this is a very little of that, by the way. Like I just, yeah, that you like, mentioned that we didn't, we didn't hear a well, whole lot from those companies. Yeah, like typically ZTE or Nubia has something new to show off at CES, but they actually weren't even there this year. I actually contacted them uh, a couple of weeks before the show and they said, no, we're not going to be there uh, because of you know the COVID restrictions. Getting back into China is extremely hard. I, I think true, we had yeah. a couple of conversations with uh, PR reps and uh, OEM reps uh, from a couple of Chinese companies and they said, uh, before they're going back to China, they had to like quarantine in California or somewhere before they flew back to China for a week. Yeah. And then once they got back to China, they would have to quarantine for 21 days. So a lot yeah. of companies said, but no, even we're not going to do that. Not to say who it is, uh, but one of our, one of our, like you said, some people that we were talking to, one of them uh, I've actually been in contact with, um, there's not even that many flights back. Yeah, and her to flight got the, pushed back for like three weeks, right? Exactly. Yeah, yep. to to go back to her particular like Area. place of residence or work in yeah. China. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, there's <laughs> like we complain about you know maybe wearing a mask or you know having lockdown for a couple of days if you get COVID to you know not be around anybody. But imagine just you don't even have COVID to quarantine for 21 days, and specifically if you don't have a flight going to your specific region not being able to catch a flight for a couple extra weeks, which is crazy. 
Yeah. But back to the tech. Yeah, the, the Samsung <laughs> Galaxy S21 FE definitely was the highlight for me for the show as far as mobile technology goes, because typically we don't see a new device being unveiled from Samsung. And we've been waiting for this phone, I would say for six months. We're not exactly sure why it was delayed. We were expecting it to be August, September of last year as a follow-up to the original Galaxy S20 FE. Um, but yeah, it's it's honestly a really good phone. If you liked the Galaxy S20 but wanted something a little bit larger because it does have a slightly larger display, uh, this is definitely something to consider. It is $699, which for me is the only disappointing part about this phone because it's the same exact price as the Galaxy S20 FE, which, if you remember, was $300 cheaper yep. than the yep. S20, as opposed to this phone being only $100 cheaper than the S21. So, you know, give or take there. I don't know. I don't, what, what's your thoughts on the price? Well, okay. The... It took a while for me to remember that 699 was the price of the original and why that was so significant. But by original, I mean the S20 FE. Um, the reason why it was so significant, like you just said, is because the S20 line started at a thousand bucks, like the mm-hmm. most, the, the most, the, the base they model S20. They were insanely expensive. They were. Um, so that's why the FE coming out was such a big deal. But like my question that I was going to pose to you, and I'll give my thoughts on it right now, is like, I do, do you think Samsung kind of created the wrong expectations with the FE uh, moniker because we expected we 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 generally expect whenever something like the S20 FE comes out that the company is going to continue that momentum that the phone is going to be a little bit more affordable the phone is going to provide certain things at a much less at a much more um affordable price than the mainline releases cuz that's what the FE that's the expectation that the FE the S20 FE mm. originally provided and then you get the S21 FE and yes <clears throat> there are certain things about that phone that are really they're valued very well because when you compare it to the original S21 it has a zoom lens it has a better front facing i think if if i remember correctly it has a better front facing camera the design is a little bit more refined because you have that that camera bump that actually molds into the entire body rather than just the frame it's got a good look to it it's probably a little bit more accessible to people who want what samsung provides in the s21 line but still are trying to like nickel and dime as much as possible to get it as low as possible and 699 yes like i do think samsung carved out a whole new section of their mainline releases by creating an fe that gives and takes gives and takes from the main Mm -hmm. line but do you think the expectations were too high because we were we were waiting for so long for an fe to come out we wanted that value that affordable value we wanted like the best bang for buck samsung device like we got the year before did we quite get that i'm still not sure i'm still not truly convinced especially since it's not the steel that we remember the s20 fe being well and that's my my point exactly it's not a steel anymore when you compare it to the previous device there was a clear distinct reason why you would want to buy the S20 FE as opposed to the regular S20. And that main reason was it was 30% cheaper. This phone is not 30% cheaper than the regular S21 lineup or the regular devices that it's going up against. And that's a clear distinction. I, I know there's a whole lot of reasons as to why the price isn't as dramatically lower than you know the other devices in galaxy in the galaxy s21 lineup but 
yeah, I, I think it's simply our expectation as to what it should have been. It's still a good phone. And when you compare it to other devices, mainly in the US market and the European market, there's not a whole lot of competition at this $700 price point. I mean, you have oh, the OnePlus 9, the standard one, uh, which costs, I, I think, maybe $20 more. So it's a good value in comparison to that. But that phone also has a glass back and some other features. Um, but then you consider Google came out late last year with the Pixel 6, and <laughs> that phone there is... $600, $100 less. And yes, it doesn't have a zoom camera on the back, but the uh, digital zoom on that phone is spectacular with that 50 megapixel sensor. Um, the selfie camera on the Google device is better as well if you're not considering, you know, it doesn't have 4K video capture. But if you can go with Google's Pixel 6 versus the Galaxy S21 FE, which one would you choose? Well, that's 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 a question that we were all asking when we were getting our briefings, when we were checking out the phone for the first time. We were like, well, why would you choose this FE over a Pixel 6? But I've been thinking about it a lot. I've had a lot of time to think, as you can imagine, over the last couple of weeks. But, Just sitting in bed. <laughs> pretty much. Um, but I, I don't know. It's easy for us as creators <clears throat> to look at the market as a whole and to know that something like the Pixel 6 exists. But I think for average consumers who still look at Samsung as a trusted name in smartphones, and it honestly is, like they could do their research and find a Pixel 6, sure. But for most casual users, they see a Samsung phone that provides everything that the mainline does for a little bit less. I still think that's super valuable. Is it the best deal in tech? No. But for people who don't look at holistically at all of tech, I still think it's a pretty compelling device. Like there are going to be a lot of people who go into a Verizon or a T-Mobile and they're going to see that FE and go, that's a hundred dollars less still provides a good experience. I am down. Um, so I, I, I wrestle with it a little bit because there's the creator in the me and then there's the casual here, though, is, user. The flip side here is the pixel six is now available on all three major carriers here in True. the West versus yeah. just being available on Verizon. So they're going in and seeing the FE at $100 less than the Galaxy S21, but then right next to it should be, if they haven't tucked it away in the corner somewhere, should be the <laughs> Pixel 6. But so to your point, yes, we, we see the whole market. We see the bigger picture here and we know and have compared and contrasted these devices and held them side by side where the general consumer hasn't. But I was actually looking on Amazon the other day for something and I, I did a quick search for smartphones and I actually came up with the Amazon's bestseller list for smartphones. You know who's at the number one spot right now? Is it the Pixel? The Pixel 6 is the huh. number one spot, with the number two being a renewed or refurbished iPhone 8, which is kind of <laughs> crazy. Um, but yeah, the Pixel 6 is the number one best-selling smartphone on Amazon right now. I know a lot of people don't buy their smartphones from Amazon, but it is telling as to what people are looking for, actively seeking out and purchasing on their own. Whereas, um, let me see here, the Galaxy FE is further down the list and it's... It's probably it's the... the it's, it's probably the S20 the, FE, right? Well, the S21 FE is at number 38 on the list, and the S20 FE uh, isn't on here, though 
Samsung's, we actually wrote an article about this on Fandroid about Samsung kind of gaming the system here. They listed the S20 and the S21 FE on the same same Amazon listing. And so you look at it and it has 7,900 reviews already versus the Google Pixel 6 that only has 225 reviews. A so they're lot, trying yeah. They're a trying lot of to manufacturers ride those review do that. waves. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of um, listings on Amazon are like that where there's an updated one and instead of making a new listing, they just sort of quote unquote update like, the same listing. We, so you click on it, you're like you can buy the S21 or the S20 under the same listing. That's uh, an that's yeah. an Amazon problem. I see it all the time because I buy a lot of food and like 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 health stuff on on Amazon. It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you that the S21 FE is still it's still a compelling device. I'm I'm actually now that I'm back to work, I'm like working oh, on it. And it now. feels honestly like I love the feel of this phone. Um I'm hoping to have my review out next week. But it honestly it feels better than the regular Galaxy S21. Um, I, they, you know, they're still doing the, I don't even want to call it faux glass anymore because they're not doing the faux glass. It's just a plastic back on the phone. Um, and it feels so much better now that they're not trying to make it look or feel like glass. They're just saying, Hey, it's plastic. We know it's plastic. We'll tell you it's plastic. And that makes it a better phone for me. Yeah. Um, keeping, keeping it on Samsung, I got to talk about this, not only because I covered this device while at the show, it was my core content for the, for CES, uh, but it's honestly just like a really cool thing. Uh, Samsung also announced, uh, their first foray into like a lifestyle projector. Now, when I first was approached by whatever agency working with Samsung to cover the freestyle, the freestyle projector, the Freestyle by Samsung. It has to be called The Freestyle, by the way. There's very specific <laughs> branding when it comes very to Very specific thing. branding, The Freestyle. Yeah. yeah, so The Freestyle. It is a 1080p projector, uh, but its form factor is what really makes it so interesting. Uh, it's kind of as big... Think of like a... What's the, what's the best... What's the best thing? It's like, a, it's like a big mason jar. It's like that big. And um, it has an integrated stand, and you can get it to point at any angle, at any almost any angle, and it will auto keystone, auto adjust its focus, and auto scale the image so that it'll fit, and you get that proper rectangular image. Um, I I put out the video, um, a lot of reactions to it, a lot of people talking about it. It's a great little projector, and let me just put it this way: ten days in a hotel quarantined it was the best thing to have (laughs) because we just pointed it at the ceiling and we isa and i literally binged all of new girl (laughs) just during our 10 days uh quarantined isa by the way took care of me the whole time so shouts out to her and she uh never tested positive like her immune system is a rock like it was crazy um so she's perfectly healthy um anyway we really enjoyed having the freestyle and that's kind of like the perfect use case scenario i wish i could share that but i didn't want to connect covid to (laughs) samsung's new product um but it was the perfect use case scenario because you they they do market this as like an on-the-go travel-friendly projector now there were some comments in my video that were saying like oh it's only 1080p and for 900 dollars, why would you pay that much for it but think of any other projector especially one that is popularized by a company like samsung with mainstream success i don't think i've ever seen any projector with like that kind of form factor that easy to use and it's like the easiest thing to 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 travel with. <clears throat> Should you travel with a projector all the time? Probably not. But like I don't know, whatever floats your boat. But it's it's you're it's possible to, and that's what makes the freestyle so compelling to me. It was really fun to use. 
Um, but yeah, did you get a chance to look at the, I had it in our, <laughs> in our yeah, room. I got a chance to, to use it while we were at the hotel. Um, <laughs> no, so I, we actually gave it, uh, an award for best of show for Android as well. It honestly weren't really expecting it. I mean, I kind of was expecting it because I talked about it. <laughs> it. It was there in the hotel room, but, um, <laughs> No, it was one of those things where Samsung Samsung's gotten more into these lifestyle products over the last year or two, and they're trying to take design and usability uh, into account when creating these types of products. And yes, it is a projector, but they showed off so many crazy accessories for this projector as well at CES. There's actually an accessory where you plug it in and into a regular light bulb socket, and you can use this as a light bulb and project something onto the top of your table at a dinner table or, you know, use it in so many different ways. Uh, they really did think it through um, yeah. as far as what can it be in addition to just a projector. I do think the price is a little high. Um, you know, there are quite a few. The market for these portable small projectors is actually pretty large. There's a lot of competition here. And most of the good ones are priced I would say three to four hundred dollars less, mm-hmm. um, and I can't remember if this includes a battery or not. So there's no battery. Uh, it does okay. have to be. It does have to be plugged into. I forget what the wattage is, but it's basically a PD charger. Um, mm-hmm. But there is a there isn't a stand, so you can take off that stand, and then they have a, a replacement stand where instead of just that like thin piece of metal on the bottom where it'll like literally stand on, it's a thick battery. So. It can um, it can connect to that battery. Um, so there's an accessory battery that you can exactly. buy for it. Yeah. Uh, so I mean that's the thing, but knowing Samsung, that accessory battery is probably going to be 150 to 200 bucks or something like that. Yeah. Um, but there's there are. Quite By the a way, few, you can connect it to a power bank. So if you if you don't want to spend yeah. that money, you have a power bank. Just use a power bank. Yeah. So I mean there are devices similar to this on the market. Uh, may not be as stylish, but similar about three to four hundred dollars less same overall feature set not that i've seen that can essentially rotate in any direction which is a really nice touch but most of the other ones that are in this category do include an internal battery as well which gives them about two to two and a half hours of runtime on a single charge Mm. also those devices are running android tv instead of tizen uh, which i think is probably a a better fit for most people uh, because we know how good Samsung's smart TV OS is. I will admit, okay, so I was working with a pre-production unit. I don't want to put anything out there that is incorrect information. I will just say, as a pre-production unit, the Tizen I was working with on that projector could definitely use some speed enhancements. (laughs) It wasn't the fastest interface. Um, Hopefully, the retail unit that I am actually going to be getting um, soonish will show improvements in that regard. But honestly, like, I... While projectors, um, by and large, are not a category that I have worked with extensively, so there could be a couple of other projectors that are like just as good for less or anything like that, I haven't used them. So with Mm. that in mind, with my new foray into this category, I got to say, there has been nothing like the freestyle that I have played with that I, and in my video, sponsored or not, 
my enthusiasm and how much fun I was having on it is all real. Like that's how it is. Even if across the board sponsored or not, my reactions are always genuine. I had a lot of fun with that thing. (laughs) I I sent it back already today and I already miss it. Like you're sad already. I'm sad already. I like that project. It is fun to use. It's super easy to use. Um, could it be 4k? Sure. But do you want to pay like $1,600 for a 4k bulb? Like, I don't know if you really want to spend that much. So for the form factor that it is, at 1080p, yes, $900 is asking is asking a bit. And you do have to have specific use cases to take advantage of that form factor. But you have to admit that the form factor is still incredibly unique. And that's part of the reason why it is priced the way that it is. So that's really how I feel about the, the freestyle. One of, definitely one of the highlights. I know that there were other things Samsung announced, like that ARC uh, monitor i know that jaime uh covered it on the pocket now social medias and whatnot that thing is insane it's insane but it's just a concept so it doesn't count as (laughs) as a real product let's be honest well plenty of concepts coming out of ces i mean like that's kind of what it is the concept electronics show yeah you can call it that sometimes um now we're gonna get into a few of the other products um there are plenty of ones to talk about including ones that might be on our wrists so let's go ahead and talk about that after the break Uh, so we're not leaving the Samsung train fully just yet. There was one more thing you wanted to mention, and I actually did not know much about what you're about to talk about. Yeah, so one of the other products that we gave a Best of CES award to was the Samsung Eco Remote, and they've done this in the past where they have a remote that's charged by um, with... I think the original one had a little tiny solar panel on it, kind of like a calculator does where, you know, a small calculator doesn't need to be powered with a battery. It just got, has a little solar panel, which is enough to keep it charged up and ready to go. They kind of did that before with a remote because honestly, most remotes don't need that much power. I mean, they're sitting in our house most of the time and, you know, you, you click a couple buttons, you know, every 30 minutes while you're watching TV and then you're done. This time around, they actually added a new charging capability for it where it charges with Wi-Fi frequencies in your house. So it harvests the Wi-Fi radio waves in your house, similar to kind of what we've seen with some of those concepts for wireless charging for smartphones uh, inside the house from Xiaomi uh, and a couple other brands where they're like, hey, we were able to charge these devices by you know projecting these radio waves and your phone can absorb them. Uh, but they've done it with Wi-Fi instead of having something proprietary, which is kind of nice because you'll never have to charge the batteries or remove the batteries and replace the batteries in this remote ever. Which... Why, is, why is this the first time I'm hearing about Wi-Fi as a charging standard, though? Because I think this is the first product that's been released with Wi-Fi as a charge. Like, there's been white papers in the past about, you know... <laughs> low power devices like sensors and stuff being charged by the radio frequencies that are around us that we use for telecommunications. And there's been these white papers for years now. I I think I remember reading the first one back in like 2013. And immediately my mind went to, hey, stick this inside a phone and we'll never have to, you know, charge our phones again. Obviously, the power that's delivered is only enough currently to charge something like a remote that typically you know needs two AAA batteries to last you know a year and a half or two years. But 
Uh, interestingly enough, just this week, Oppo released another white paper talking about smartphones and all of our gadgets that we typically use and charge on a regular basis in the near future being able to use this same charging technology. I'm not really sure if they would be able to get to the point where they say, no, you don't have to ever charge your smartphone again and it delivers enough power to you know, go a full day uh, on a single charge and then be charged up overnight or even just during the day as you're using it, being charged up with Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and cellular connections absorbing those radio waves. But it's really interesting that Oppo is one of the ones who put out this white paper because as we've seen, Oppo is not afraid to test out technologies that haven't fully been vetted yet. Mm -hmm. they, they're, they're one of the first to jump into things like in-display cameras. They're one of the first to jump into foldables and other technologies as well. And I really, really think that they might be one of the first ones to uh, maybe, you know, later this year, just put out a concept device that has it in and say, hey, this phone gets an extra 10% boost during the day from these radio frequencies that are going around uh, in our houses all the time. Honestly, I think everybody would be super excited to have an extra 10% battery life every day without doing anything at all. I mean, yeah. What's your thoughts on that? I think it, I think it's very interesting. I Again, this is the first time hearing that the the radio waves or just waves that we have in our house or office at any given point like we're literally on wi-fi right now <laughs> and the mm -hmm. fact that i could just be sitting here doing this podcast with you and my phone is charging because of that wi-fi like that's very interesting to me but i it always comes back to the same question of whether or not it's safe to constantly have these sort of like radio waves all over the place i remember it was either two or three years ago at ces there was um the wireless power consortium um mm -hmm. they also had an installation where the charger was, huh? Yeah, even, yeah. Even now they're they're still showing it at shows like CES. But the installation that I remember looking at was they had the charger up on the roof or the ceiling, I should say, and it was doing essentially millimeter wave charging to every single device that was there. Different and devices, yep. So they like gave they, they they had like phones that you could like like here take this phone walk outside like all right cool then walk back in and you would hear the chime that it's starting to charge just because you're in that mm -hmm. room and it's like I remember always I remember everyone who came through that booth including myself would always ask like is it really that safe to have this all the time like if you're talking millimeter wave we use that at airports to get scanned and whatnot that's like ten seconds at at the yep. most but this is all the time. Well, the difference is we do use millimeter wave for 5G connectivity, right? Like your it's phone not everywhere. Is our, it's not everywhere, but your phone is actually actively looking for it yeah, all yeah. the time if it does have millimeter wave. And, you know, if Verizon had its way, they would actually put millimeter wave everywhere in the world. But yeah, so I've seen those demos as well. I mean, you, you go to CES and you see these demos every year. I think the last one I saw was two years ago. And it was it wasn't with smartphones, but it was uh, home appliances. And they're right. like, yeah, just attach this thing, and here you can plug a light bulb in. And this, the, like, I literally held a light bulb that was turned on that had no battery, that was you know 15 feet away from this you know wall 
I don't know if it was millimeter wave, but it was some other wireless power technology. And they're like, yeah, so then you, if you put your hand over the end here, the, the light will turn off. Yeah. And if you move your hand away, it'll turn back on. And it's really interesting technology. My question to them was, what's the power efficiency? Like, yes, there's the safety thing, but we live in a world where, you know, we should be conserving power. And I'm just like, you know, you lose about 50% of the power when you do wireless charging to your phone and it's like sitting right next to it. Yeah. Imagine powering something that's 15 feet away. You're losing what, 90 to 100, you know, 95% of the power just to thin air. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, well, how are we going to generate enough power when we're going to be wasting 95% of it? just because we want to go wireless right yeah so there there's a lot of like the safety concern is one thing but then also the efficiency of that wireless charging capabilities is another but if if there's already wi-fi signals that are flowing through the air and throwing through our bo- flowing through our bodies just because we have wi-fi turned on if we can harvest those same frequencies to charge something why not because or else it's just wasted frequencies that are out there this is harvesting something that's already in the air and it's not using, you know, an additional thing on top of that. True, true. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd be interested to see it show up in uh, in other places. I guess a TV remote kind of does make sense because it's just sitting there. Like, yeah. probably 90% of the time it's just sitting there. Um, but speaking of uh, wireless connectivity. Again, um, yeah. Here's another product that I didn't know was actually at the show. And I, I, I want I want this. I'm re- I already have the Amazon listing up for the Motorola M1 wireless. Um, according to Amazon, coming out on January 28th. Uh, so, yeah, so it's the Motorola MA1 Android Auto dongle for $89.95. If you have a car that has wired Android Auto, you can buy this dongle and go wireless. And I'm lucky enough to be one of the first to have gotten a review unit of this. I got it in the mail and as I knew exactly what it was when the package arrived last week. I got it in the mail. I unboxed it while I was outside and I went to my car and plugged it in and set it up. And I am so happy that I have wireless Android Auto. Um, I've, I've been using wireless Android Auto in my older car for a couple of years now because i have a uh, panasonic head unit that i replaced that oh. does have wire wireless android auto in it but the new car that we purchased a couple months ago is four years old and does not have wireless android auto built in and I, it was so annoying having to plug my phone in every time i got into the car uh, and now set this up and haven't had any issues whatsoever the nice thing that i really like about it is because I, I don't know why, but the the connectivity seems to be much stronger than what I have in my Panasonic head unit. So uh, I actually, this morning, it snowed last night, so I had to get out of the car and go around and clean off the, the snow from the car. And usually in the other vehicle, it would disconnect from the wireless Android Auto because I'm outside the vehicle, the Bluetooth connection and the Wi-Fi direct connection just loses signal when I do that or it's not strong enough to hold the signal. And then when you get back in the vehicle, you have to restart it in order to make the connection all over again. But this one here seemed to hold the connection. And I was actually at 
20 to 25 feet away from the vehicle and it still held the connection which is extremely nice if you're looking to you know if you have your phone in your pocket and you're getting out to get something out of the trunk of the car or something like that not having to restart the vehicle again uh, in order to get that connection back Interesting. Like that, that answers one of the main questions that I had. But the other question, um, well, uh, my, my main question was connectivity. Like if, if, if the wireless connection at all stutters, like you lose your whole interface and all of that. So hopefully like that's not going to be the case. And so far, like, like you said, it's not been, um, the other question I had though is okay. Wireless Android auto. Great thing that might enhance the experience of Android auto. I still use it avidly in whatever car that I have because it is honestly like one of the greatest things that you could have in your vehicle. Definitely blows CarPlay out the water. CarPlay is just yes. terrible in general. Um, it's not that its functionality is bad. It's just the way that it's sort of interfaced. It's not super intuitive. It's not really easy on the eyes. Um, in any case, the the benefit, though, of that wired Android Auto connection is that you're always charging the phone. And for some reason— You're always and, powered. You're always powered. And for some reason, this is still one of those things that I can't explain. I still don't know why an Android auto connection sometimes is faster charging than others. <laughs> like it's able to charge pretty well on almost any Android phone that I've ever put in. Like it's it for, for let's say a half hour drive, it's a great thing to fall back on if you're in the middle of the day and you need to charge up like a Pixel 6 Pro or something. Like that's happened to me a lot. That happened to me all over CES a couple of weeks ago. Like I needed that Android Auto to to charge me back up. So why would you like do you is it worth sacrificing that? It, it depends. I mean, the average person's <laughs> regular commute or car drive is less than 15 minutes, right? So um, you know, imagine going to, you know, you're going to run some errands and you're going to three or four different stores or something like that. And then picking up your kids and a couple, and you have multiple stops. Do you really want to take your phone out of your pocket or out of your bag and plug it in every single time? Um, and you're only, go, you know, you're only driving five, 10 minutes. It, it's until you use the wireless Android Auto, you don't realize how convenient it is because you don't have to think about it anymore. And if your phone does need charging, then you plug it in to charge it up. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, I have a, a wireless uh, phone charger in my car. So if it does need to be charged, I stick it on the wireless charger and, you know, leave it there. But for most of the time, I'm just getting in the car. I'm taking my girls to school in the mornings or, you know, running to the grocery store. That's, you know, two, three miles away. And I don't want to take my phone out of my pocket, plug something in. Then when I'm getting out of the car, unplug it, put it back in my pocket, just because I want to listen to some music through Android Auto versus, you know, this connecting is, to the radio. This is a nice uh, solution to, this is a very specific problem, but I have run into it before where there's a car that has a wireless charger in the center console. But if you want to do Android Auto, it has to be plugged in. The problem is when you have it plugged in to get Android Auto, it doesn't fit on the wireless charger anymore because it's got that cord sticking out. <laughs> and I remember that. And like this is a this is a nice way of getting around that finally. So I I agree yeah. with that. If you have a wireless charger and then wireless connection to Android Auto, you get the best of both worlds. So that's nice. Um, trying to think of other stuff that at CES was really dope. Um, I mean, we did look at some computing stuff. Um, we spent some time with Razer, obviously, and um, you had. Uh, I have a short, a YouTube short that's going to be going out pretty soon, just talking about that that crazy gaming chair, the Enki Pro Hypersense. Um, 
That thing was nuts. <laughs> Basically, it's a D-Box um, theater chair that you use in front of your computer or TV, and it'll literally move with whatever you're <laughs> watching or playing. Um, had a lot of fun with that. Um, again, a concept. Speaking of concepts, Razer also had um, a computer desk that is literally a computer. So it's yeah. the Project Ophelia, I think it was called, if I remember correctly. Um all the components integrated into the actual desk itself. So you, it's modular, so you can take out the part from the very specific portion of the desk that it's in, but you no longer have a tower. The desk is the tower. And then it's like connected to it, like perfectly is like a, like a, I don't even know how big that screen was. Like that must've been like a 45. Oh, it was, it, it was huge. <laughs> and this is just one big old desk. You just connect your components and you have yourself that desk. I think that, I, I I haven't really been able to think about it a whole lot because like I'm we're on we're on laptops most of the time. But when I think about it, I do have a desktop at home. It is a pretty elegant solution for if you're a desktop slash like gamer slash worker, whatever the case may be, for it to all be integrated into one thing. That actually makes a lot of sense. I have to give them some credit for thinking of that. Yeah, I mean, at this point, though, like. I don't know, like new graphics cards come out and what the the new one's not going to fit inside your desk. So you have to buy a new desk, right? That's true. Like, uh, I I don't know. There's so many things that are good about it. And the idea of this clean solution is uh, is amazing. But then I'm just thinking about, oh, but I need to swap out this thing. So I need to remove half the things from my desk in order to get into my desk to, you know, upgrade my RAM or something like that. I don't know. So like there's, there's positives and there's negatives as well. I will have to say it does look cool as hell. It's incredible. uh, If you're, if you're going for that aesthetic. Um, But yeah, I mean, they had great new laptops as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, The new Razer Blade 15. um, We gave a best of show to as well. they they honestly have some of the best gaming laptops that are out there that don't necessarily look like gaming laptops. You know, of course, there's the Razer logo on the back um, and, you know, the, the Chroma keyboards that that light up and give you all the effects. But they, they look sleek. They look like they're presentable in a lot of different situations as opposed to a lot of the competing laptops that are trying to vie for the same customers. Totally. Um, it, it, you're right, though, that that logo on the lid is a dead giveaway. Like you go into it's, a business. It's noticeable. Meeting, yeah. You go into a business meeting with that thing and it's like, it's like, it's like, thir- it's like, it's like 30%. Why do, you got, why do you got snakes on your laptop? I was about to say, it's like 30% in the wrong direction of unprofessional. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> it looks but executive the, and then you turn it on. <laughs> the matte black finish, though, is good. Oh, it's very good. Matte black. Yeah. Um, all right, so um, Razer also did something that um, I think I think it's really interesting that they did this. Now, I'm going to have a lot of opinions as to whether or not it's actually useful in the grand scheme of the wearable market, but Razer went ahead and just collaborated with Fossil on their Gen 6 smartwatches, and now we have Fossil and Razer together. You're reaching back there. Don't tell me you have it. No, I just have the regular Gen 6 smartwatch <laughs> because this is exactly the Razer Gen 6 smartwatch except for the band and the watch faces because I was that's about to exactly super, what it is. I was about to be super jealous because, okay, I think I'm, this is an, un, this is unhealthy <laughs> like that when this was announced and I was with Razer and we got to see it, I was like, I need this. I don't need it. It's just a Gen 6. Like you're both, you and I, and also Isa, we're all wearing the new Skagen Falster 
that is in line with the new Gen 6 Fossil lineup. So we already have basically everything that the Razer Watch can provide. It's just, you know, Razer went ahead and put like like watch faces on it that are interesting, that that that's that that razor green band and whatnot. I hate that there's a portion of me that is an RGB everything gamer type. I I want it, man. <laughs> you put the words limited edition at the end of a collaboration and I'm like, I need that. <laughs> you know, I I'm the opposite though for my personal style. Like yes, I do have LED lights in my office. You can see in the background, I got LED lights behind my panel here, but that's simply for to make it look interesting for a video because no, nobody wants to look at a white wall that has nothing on it. Uh, if I wasn't doing YouTube videos, I would not have any of these LED lights, and that's personally not my style. Um, I would, you know, you mentioned the, the Falster watch. It's essentially the same. The internals are the same. I, yeah. All the specs are the same. Uh, I honestly prefer the look and feel of this watch so much more. It's a lot more refined. It's a lot more stylish. Um, the gaming look and feel, while cool in certain aspects, again, goes to why would I want a neon green band on a watch so that I can, I don't know, look like I'm... 12 years old like a 12 year old boy i'm not like, I, I feel like, attacked right now <laughs> you should feel attacked josh you should totally feel attacked um but i mean you're he not said gonna be able a, to buy it. he said with a bright yellow hoodie on <laughs> you're not going to be able to buy this watch anyways so i'm still like messaging my contacts like i still want to cover it like i know that it's going to get a lot of play on youtube but i would also wear it i would gen i would genuinely use that watch um just like i'm using the skagen right now i finally got it opened up um loving the skagen you're right the skagen falster has a, a certain style to it that is just accessible by almost anybody and it's a very easy on the eyes minimalistic smartwatch in the grand scheme of smartwatches if you can even call a smartwatch minimalistic it's probably the closest thing to it um really enjoying it i'm really really enjoying it and again i will cop to the fact that the desire for a razor watch comes from a place where i don't need it because when you think about it i went ahead and put the golden eye <laughs> the golden eye watch face on this like i went ahead yep. and put something on it that makes it a little bit more gamer like a little bit more cool for me blah 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 so like if i hit the button here it literally looks like the golden eye watch like that's cool that's the power of a smartwatch, especially on android yeah. wear um, you don't need it to be a razor branded thing in order to do that, but I still want it. I still want to get it. I will have to say the default <clears throat> Skagen watch face is pretty gamerish. I mean, a little it's, bit. It's got the color. It's it's got the neon colors and the minimalistic look on it. I mean, it doesn't have the chroma lighting things that are moving around the screen like the razor watch does. But mm -hmm. um, guess what? It's the same watch on the inside. And if you want it to look, if you do want the look from the Razer watch and because it is a limited edition, uh, you're not going to be able to buy it just by the regular Gen 6 because that is literally the body of the of the watch and just buy yourself a neon green watch band and nobody will know the difference. Yeah, probably not. Um, it, it's, it's very much just like cool thing to have. And if you're brand loyal, mm -hmm. I'm not even brand loyal to Razer. Like... 
there's nothing wrong with Razer. I don't have any ill will towards the brand. It's just I'm not also an avid fanatic of Razer myself. But there's just something about it that just like like it tickles a certain like part of my brain where I'm like, yes, <laughs> I'm totally into yeah. this. Um, in any case, um, one last thing as far as the Fossil Gen 6 lineup are concerned. It's funny because we are in contact with these people and we went to briefing. We, we did virtual briefings, I should say, and we were like able to ask questions and whatnot i will say i hope i hope we have a lot to look forward to when finally the software of these watches can be updated to what it has to be because as of right now and i do need to revisit the samsung galaxy watch 4 it is the only watch that has wear like the newest version of wear it's just called wear now because i can't say wear os it's just wear um we still don't As opposed have it. to this, this one is running Wear OS. Exactly. Right? So Wear OS is antiquated at this point. So like uh, the thing is Fossil is being cut at the knees by not being able to use any of that software. And even they expressed a little bit of disdain towards that because they were like, yeah, we want to be able to get it out there because everyone is clamoring for it, but we just aren't able to they, yet. I mean, Google, I think Google made a decision in order to get Samsung on board with their mobile operating system for the smartwatch. And that decision was accompanied with an exclusivity contract where Samsung is the only one who's able to release a smartwatch with the newest version of the operating system. It sucks. But in the long term, it's going to be good. Having Samsung on the platform is good for everybody. It is. It ensures that the developers know this is the platform they need to be on. It's going to be Wear OS. Oh, not Wear OS. Where? Bam. Where? I can't. I, I'm not going to be able to change that. It's going to be Wear. Uh, and the what's Apple's watch OS? OS. It's just watch. No watch, watch OS. OS. Yeah, watch OS. Watch OS. And so there's going to be two platforms instead of three. So developers are going to have the ability to focus on where as a platform itself and deliver that. I mean, honestly, there are so few apps for your smartwatch when compared to what we had two, three, four years ago. There's really nothing new. Like you look at the operating system and there's there's even apps app developers that have said no we're no longer supporting that and mm. they've pulled their apps i used to uh use uh an app called runkeeper uh to track my runs and runkeeper said no we're not supporting the platform anymore and yep. they pulled their app and they removed it from the from the play store uh and it was my go-to app and like i was lucky enough that i still had it installed on a watch and so for a year even though i had newer watches i would go back to this older watch and use it only on the days that I went running just because that was the the app that I used to track my runs. Since then I've had to, I, I honestly had to change app platform because the developer stopped supporting it. Yeah. And I, I've seen that multiple times over. I mean, the, the developers are, were happy to have a mobile platform that they could develop for, but with the fragmentation with Samsung on their own Tizen platform, um, you know, it just got divided up now that they're back. And honestly, Samsung's probably going to be the best selling smartwatch on the Android side in a long time. Um, that's just going to show developers that this is something that they need to develop for, which helps everybody in the long run. Yeah. J I, just sucks that we have to wait. I, I, I feel you there as far as app platform and support and whatnot. I have a very real 
situation as to like that 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 scenario. Uh, I was called out on a recent video and like it was an Android phone I was reviewing, but clearly I was wearing an Apple Watch. And like, first of all, who gives a crap? But, you know, this particular like comment sort of struck a chord and I needed to sort of I felt the need to explain. Um, First of all, it's totally possible to be a part of two different ecosystems at once. And as a creator, I have the privilege of being able to do that. So that's what that is. I get that not everyone is able to, um, but in my case, I am. So that's the reason why you'll see mix and match happen in my videos. But there was a very real reason. It's because um, I wear a continuous glucose monitor. I actually don't have one on right now, but when I do have one on, um, the app that allows me to check my blood glucose at any given time, it is far better and far more supported on the Apple ecosystem than it is on Android. Now, don't get me wrong. The Android app is good. It's the Wear OS app that is trash. (laughs) It's like you can't really even install it on most watches because they haven't really been supporting it. So you're right. RunKeeper was one of those things. I remember using RunKeeper back in the day, but right now, a real tangible thing that is important to me, which is monitoring my blood glucose, I can't do it as effectively on an Android watch. On Android phone, yes, Mm. but it'd be really nice. You you saw me at CES. I'm constantly looking at my watch, just double-checking my blood sugar. Um, way easier on a on an Apple Watch than on any other wearable. So that's the reason why I still have it on most of the time. Yeah. All right. So um, any last things? I mean, we're we're on like we're in the home stretch. Last couple minutes. Any last things you wanted to bring up about CES that were really dope? Uh, like there, as every year, there's a lot of cool tech that uh, shows up that isn't going to be in stores for months uh, or. Longer than that, uh, Withings had a new uh, smart smart scale with a body scanner um, that's not going to come out to, to, I think, the second half of the year. Uh, but Withings has some of the best yeah. smart scales that are on the market right now. So I'm excited to, to get my hands or get my feet on that one and my hands with with Yeah, because the they have like a scanner. handle. Yeah. Yeah, so the body like, scanner, yeah. it, it, it pulls up. Uh, from the scale itself, it's a two-hand handle, and you you hold it uh, while you're on the scale barefoot, and then it isolates. It, it sends signals through your body to recognize where the fat and muscle fat deposits and your muscle mass are through your body, and with it, it can isolate your arms, legs, and midsection and tell you where you have gains or losses. So if you're building muscle, it will tell you. You know, you've had gains in your shoulders or in your arms or your back uh, or your legs. And if you're trying to lose weight, it also show you where you're losing weight as well uh, within mm-hmm. each one of those sections, giving you a much better idea of um, where you're having issues with and where you actually are progressing. Because these scales have been able to tell you what your body composition has been for, for, I don't know, three, four years now. Uh, but with the body scan functionality, it's a little bit, not a little bit, a lot more precise in telling you exactly where those are so that you can actually do something about it. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, did get a good look at Whiting's uh, upcoming, Whiting's Withings, I always get it mixed up. Their upcoming wearables as well. Um, the scan watches are very interesting. And honestly, the scan watch would have been an interesting, uh, a good rather wearable for me to have because it actually does give you on-demand looks at your blood oxygen, your body temperature, all of those things. That would have been a nice one to use. Um, but thankfully, the combination, like I said earlier, of the Aura and the Apple Watch were exactly what I needed uh, to monitor my health uh, during last week. Um, one final thing, I think we just got to give a special shout out to that BMW iX Flow. 
color changing yes. car like bmw always has like a pretty commanding presence at ces because they also do their driving experience um thing where you can test drive their cars and they talk about the tech that's in the cars whether it's for performance or for infotainment or anything like that the color changing car though <clears throat> suv uh it's an ev it's an suv ev and um the thing is the the, the special shout out has to go to e-ink so there are a lot of people out there who probably use e-ink and they don't realize it. Amazon Kindles, hybrid smartwatches, other things of the sort. That same technology, e-ink went ahead and put into these flexible panels that made up the wrap for that car. Freaking amazing. Like, just, just putting this out there, we had meetings with e-ink and I asked them, so is the iX flow with the color changing ever going to actually happen? They're all like, we can't really say um, if it will. Probably not. It's, it is considered a concept right now. But mm -hmm. then I asked, would you be willing to work with wrap manufacturers to actually make this something someone could put on their cars? And they went, absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, of course they would be willing to do it to bring it to market. The question <laughs> is, is it going to be a decade before it happens? Fair. Yeah. I could see a lot of Tesla owners um, like getting wraps like that, though, like that. I could totally see people doing that. Well, I, I could see anybody doing it. I mean, right now, the and I, I don't know if it's really a limitation of the capabilities, but right now it's limited to the traditional e-ink that you think of, not the newer color e-ink uh, that some companies are pushing. And I, I think one of the ones that uh, we actually saw, one of the color ones at CES was TCL has one of their tablets that has a color e-ink display, mm -hmm. uh, which gets much better visibility in daylight conditions with direct sunlight on the screen and also re completely reduces, not completely, but dramatically reduces battery consumption uh, just because it's the pixels are static when nothing's moving on the screen. So if you're reading content or browsing a web page, as soon as you this content stops moving it reduces battery life if we get get color e-ink on vehicles then you're like hey i'm going out today uh my outfit you're wearing yellow your car could be yellow to match your <laughs> outfit or you know you're like i want pinstripes on my car today and tomorrow it's like I want something out of but it's also like i just thought of this now um it's like something out of grand theft auto like if you <laughs> oh completely you like you get in your car like what what color do i want my car to be today yeah the guy, the cops are like looking for a red car and they can't find it. <laughs> they can't find it because uh, this one's got polka dots on it, blue polka dots. But I mean, yes, the the concept that was shown off there is incredible. I think this is the first time we've seen something like that in the real world. I think we've seen like renders of something like that for a couple of years now, but uh, seeing it in the real world, I don't think the what was shown off was actually waterproof. So like if it rains, it stops working. So... Uh, there's a long ways to go in order for it to actually go from concept to reality. Oh, totally. And I don't know, like how expensive would this be? I would, I would chalk it up to like ten grand at least. Yeah, probably. I mean, wraps are pretty expensive to begin with, so you can just imagine yeah. how much a color changing wrap that has to have like an electrical circuit installed, how much that could end up being. Um, Who knows? But still, one of like when you think when honestly, I think when a lot of people think of CES this year, that's probably one of the first images that they see is that car, mm -hmm. and it had it had prime placement. I mean, in our case though, since we cover a lot of other stuff, we have the car, we have a tractor, we were able to sit in a tractor. <laughs> so John Deere also had an installation, and we were able to sit in a fully autonomous tractor which is 
a bit more practical for like someone that is not using combines, but you know, it was interesting. It was really cool. So like autonomy across more than just everyday vehicles. Um, so yeah, that pretty much just covers a lot of what we were able to see at CES. Um, I think that will pretty much do it. Nick, thank you so much for being on and as always, and for recounting, uh, CES with me. After all, we went together, so <laughs> figured we should have this conversation eventually. <laughs> Definitely. It was a good show. I have to say this is like, despite the extra precautions that were needed for the show and wearing masks and all of that, I have to say it was one of the most enjoyable CESs I've been to in a very long time. And yeah. I, I think having conversations with a lot of people that were there, a lot of people had the same uh, reaction as to, you know, yeah, I, there's still work to be done. There's a lot of things to see, but it was a lot more laid back. Not having the crowds made it so much more enjoyable. And maybe in the future, we should just limit CES to 40,000 people in attendance and everybody will have a great time. I 100% agree. Um, and as far as whatever happened afterwards, like, let me just put it this way. Take me as a cautionary tale. A person who is inherently immunocompromised, those vaccines and booster shots absolutely did their job for me. Because if this is what it did to me, um, 10 days of isolation and a few days of like the worst uh sore throat I've ever had in my life. Just imagine what would have happened if I didn't have those vaccines. So take that as a cautionary tale, everybody out there. Get yourself vaccinated. Get yourself boosted. Upgrade your masks if you're going out more. Um, and yeah, just take care of yourselves and each other. Like I say at the end of every single video, um, I'm glad to still be here and I'm glad that nothing really bad happened, even though I did get what we were trying to avoid <laughs> at, that, be, that yeah. being said like we shared a hotel room uh we went to most of the same events mm -hmm. uh, we were at most of the same evening events and within the same group of people i did not catch covid and also isa did not catch covid yeah so and she shared a hotel room with you for what 15 days straight yeah like when ces and then afterwards mm -hmm. uh shows that the vaccines and the boosters definitely work because she was actually sharing a space with you and you had it and she didn't catch it yeah you know and let's just yeah let's just let's just put it that way it did it, it completely protected you guys and it protected me from having to go to the hospital <laughs> so that's the thing so again cautionary tale um I don't regret whatsoever uh, going, and I still will say that anything involving CES at large was done. It was it seemed very controlled. We felt very safe. It was really just probably one or two of the times that we went out in Vegas in general, and that could have literally happened to anybody. So uh, gratitude all around. I'm still here, still bringing the podcast to you guys, and still still alive and kicking. So look forward to more from all of us. Um, with that being said. Thank you again for listening, and thank you again, Nick, for, for being on. Um, and we'll get into the outro starting now. All of the links for myself, Nick Gray, and Fandroid are found in the show notes. As far as PocketNow is concerned, you can find us at PocketNow.com. For all of the latest headlines, find PocketNow on social media, including over on TikTok at PocketNow. And then you can go to YouTube.com slash PocketNow for video content that's coming out pretty much every single day. With all that said, we're going to go ahead and call it on this episode of the PocketNow Weekly Podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us in our return episode after CES 2022, and we will see you in our next one.